0: Merry Christmas. Our reading today is from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring him bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into his house, they saw a young child with his Mary, and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Thank you. Very good. Today we're talking about the gift of abundance. Jeremiah is bringing us our gift right here. Thank you, Jeremiah. appreciate that, seven family, very much. The gift of abundance is for today. You know, I was thinking about a month ago, I was praying about this, God, you know, we're talking about Christmas through the eyes of Matthew, through the writings of Matthew, and just a wild guess, I'm betting that almost 100% of the people who are going to be at church on December 22nd are fairly familiar with the story of Christmas about Jesus and the Virgin Mary. And so I said, God, what exactly do you want us to focus on? And God draw, drew my attention to verse number 10. Did you notice that? As they just read that a few moments ago, it says this in verse number 10. They rejoiced, so they had joy with exceedingly great joy. So in other words, they had this abundance of joy. In the Greek, actually, if you read this in the Greek, as some Bible scholars can do, what they tell you is is that the superlatives about the abundance of joy are piled up on top of each other like snow falling. So this morning, we're going to talk about the gift of abundance. Let's begin with a prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you for Christmas and all that it means to us. It's an incredible time of year in which we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Lord, today we are going to focus on this gift of abundance that the Magi were able to experience because of the birth of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us during this Christmas season to begin to experience that same gift of abundance. In Christ's name, amen. Exceeding great joy. So the Magi had this gift of abundance. Have you ever opened the gift of abundance? I mean, do you, what is that? Do you, you feel like, yeah, I know what that is, or I'm not really sure what that is, or, you know what, that, the gift of abundance is basically just for really happy people. You know, happy people have the gift of abundance, and I'm not necessarily a happy people, so I don't have the gift of abundance. Or is that somebody who just has a lot of success? Or somebody who has a lot of money, or a lot of position, or a lot of power? Or they have this great marriage, or they have the freedom of being single. Who gets the gift of abundance, and why do you get the gift of abundance? And why do the magi... Why do they get to experience the gift of abundance? You know what we see in the Scripture and what we see in the story, the Christmas story as told by Matthew is, is that only God gives us the power to experience the gift of abundance. Look what it says in Ephesians 3.20. This is really good. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. You notice what it said? Now to him. And not say Now to money. Now to position, now to health, now to fame or to fortune or now to marriage or now to singleness. Not to any of those things to give us the power to experience an abundant life. We are so wired that way as human beings. So we think 2014, man, if I can just experience this, if I can just get this thing that I want to get, my, then I will really be happy. I'll really have abundance. But you already know from your past that you would hope to have certain things. And then you would be happy, then you would have joy, this abundance of joy, and now you have that. And are you filled with the abundance of joy? So many times in my life, I think, if I just get here, oh man, I'll just, I'll never want anything else in my life. And then I get here, and then what? Only God gives the power for abundance. Look what Jesus Christ says in John 10.10. 10. He says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy I have come, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly, more abundantly. I'm reminded of the kid at Christmas time that came down the steps to an abundance of presents and they're just ripping off the the paper, papers flying, ribbons are flying everywhere and they just tear through all of these abundance of gifts and they get to the last one and when they're done with it and they look up at their parents and say, what do they say, parents? Is that all? Man, is that all? Is that all you got for me? Only God, only God gives us the gift of abundance, that power to experience unthinkable, unimaginable joy. Have you opened the gift of abundance? Have you opened that? Some of us might say, you know what, I've never opened it before and I don't think I ever will. Some of us say, yes, I've got it, I've got it right now. Some of us say you know what, a short time ago I had it, but then I lost it, or a long time ago I had it, or maybe at one point I started to pull the paper off on the gift, but then I just lost it. How do we get, is there principles in the Scripture that lead us to the gift of abundance? Or again, is it just for the happy, peppy people in the world that have the gift of abundance? This is what I want to talk about this morning. And we see three groups of people here. We see the Magi, number one. We see Herod the Great, number two, and we see the religious scholars. And each one of them have a different story to tell. And we'll talk about them just really briefly. The Magi. Who were the Magi? The Magi back then were king makers. They were advisors. They were consultants to the king. They advised the king on what he should do. Were there three of them? Were there three Magi that showed up in Jerusalem? I mean, we sing the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are, right? we you remember that song? Do you know that there weren't three magi? We know very little information, well, that's just some song that we sing because they arrive with three gifts, so we assume that there's three magi, and we don't know that at all. That's not what the story says. We just kind of wrote that hymn to say that. How many of them were there? We don't know. All we know is this. They came from the east, and what do we know about magi? The word magi comes from magicians. They were magicians. They were very, very smart. They were advisors to the king. And we know that they came from the east. Why did they show up from the east? Why did they show up from Iraq or Iran? Why did they show up from Iraq or Iran to worship the Jewish Messiah? Isn't that a little strange? You know... What would you think today if the news report said that a whole group of people sent by the king of Iraq or Iran showed up in Jerusalem? They rolled in Jerusalem. They said, You know, well, we're here because we want to bow down to the Jewish Messiah. Would you think that's a little unusual? You think it's a little unusual? It was unusual back then, too. Very unusual. And that's exactly well, why did they do it? We don't know. We can make some guesses. Some of the guesses are this. There's a book that was written five, six hundred years before this event took place. It was written by a guy by the name of Daniel. And at one point, Daniel, who was from Jerusalem, was taken as a captive to Babylon, which is modern day Iraq. He was taken there and this guy was really smart and uh, he he honored God and God blessed him and he rose up in power and he became the leader of all the Magi. And Daniel wrote all these prophecies that one day a Messiah would come. He'd be a Jewish Messiah and he would arrive in Jerusalem and even wrote a timeline out there. And so since these guys are Magi, maybe they came from the area of Iraq or Babylon. Maybe they came from that place in the east and they knew to be looking for the star and they arrive. So we see that there they show up and you might think to yourself, it's impossible for you to experience abundance of joy. Some of us might feel, you know, right—it's uh, feeling blue at Christmas time is something that many of us experience. We feel a deep emptiness. You might think, man, there's no way I could have abundance. Well, let's talk about something that's really impossible. Can you imagine a group of Iraqis or Iranians showing up in Jerusalem and saying, "I'm here to bow down to the Jewish Messiah"? Can you think of something more impossible than that? What is your impossibility? Because this is what we're told. They roll into Jerusalem and say, you know what? We're here to bow down to the Jewish Messiah. So that's the Magi. That's the magicians from the East. How about Herod the Great? Herod should have the abundance. He's rich. He's powerful. He has position. He has success. He is Herod the Great. There are a number of Herods mentioned in the New Testament. That always used to confuse me. Which Herod are we talking about? This is the first of all the Herods that are mentioned. His father, Herod the Great's father, was appointed to be governor of Judea by none other than this person. Let's flash his picture. Does anybody know who that guy is? Wild guess. Say it louder with boldness and conviction. Julius Caesar appointed Herod the Great's father to be governor of Judea. And then later on after that, Herod the Great himself was appointed or declared king of the Jews by Caesar Augustus. You might remember that from Luke chapter 2. We read it just a few moments ago. Herod was very clever, very smart guy. He was a great diplomat, politician, and general. He led some military campaigns. He had a great amount of success. During a severe famine, people loved him for this, ready? During a severe famine, he melted down some of the gold in his palace, and he bought food for the poor. It's pretty cool. They went through a number of severe financial times. Herod the Great reigned for many, many years, a number of decades. And during severe financial times, he actually gave taxes back to the people. Taxes back to the people. Go, Herod. Giving the taxes back to the people. That is what he did. He built theaters racetracks. I guess he liked to gamble. He built theaters, racetracks. He built this incredible fortress palace thing over top of the Dead Sea called Masada. And then finally, he rebuilt the Jewish temple, which they just absolutely loved and adored Herod for doing that. But Herod did not experience the gift of abundance. You know why? Herod was filled with jealousy and fear, filled with it. He was so afraid that he was going to lose his power. He just had a grip on it, that he never, ever experienced this abundance at all, even though in the world's standards, he should have had it more than anybody else. But he did not have the gift of abundance. He completely missed out on the gift of abundance. How could that be? This guy was filled with so much fear. He was afraid of his wife's brother, so his brother-in-law. His brother-in-law was the high priest in Jerusalem. And so one day, he told his guys, go drown my brother-in-law. So he had him drowned, had him killed. Next day, he throws this magnificent funeral service for his brother-in-law, and he's crying, he's crying, he's weeping and all for his brother-in-law that died. He put on this huge show. And then after that gets over, the next day he thinks to himself, what if my wife figures this out? What if my wife... And she tries to rise up against me. She you know what he did to his wife? Yes. He killed her. Killed his wife. Now, after he killed his wife, he got to thinking, I wonder if my mother-in-law figures this out. And so... Very smart, I don't know, whatever, but he has his mother-in-law killed. Can you imagine? Can any man is married out? Can you imagine having your mother-in-law killed? It's the farthest thing from your mind, killing your mother-in-law, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? Amen? Anybody say amen to that? Right. So he has his mother-in-law killed. And then this guy is so crazy, he kills two of his sons because he's afraid that they're going to rise up against him. Later on in his life, like near his death, he has a third son killed. And then check this out. This is what he does when he dies. Because the people loved him for giving the taxes back and melting the gold down and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of his life, because he was so filled with jealousy and fear, look what jealousy and fear and and just tried to control everything instead of God controlling everything. It so gripped him. It so turned him. It so made him so messed up that nobody liked him anymore. So, you know, here's what he did on his death. Just before his death, he had arranged for all the popular people of Jerusalem, holy people, nice people, good people, whatever, people that are well-known, people that are beloved. He said, arrest them all. And the moment I die, I want you to kill every single one of them. Let the word go out through the entire city so that on my death, the city of Jerusalem will be filled with tears and weeping and sorrow. That is Herod the Great. Quite a guy, isn't he? Herod the Great. Finally... Let's talk about the religious scholars. Now, these guys knew the Bible. These guys devoted their lives to studying the living power of God's Word. Of course, they experienced abundance, right? They had to experience because they studied, devoted their life to the study of the living Word of God. Do they experience the gift of abundance? So, uh, when, when, these, when these magi roll into town and they say, Hey, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Where is the Messiah to be born? These guys didn't say, look, we'll get back to you in a week. We've got to get together and figure this out. They immediately knew the answer. You know why? Because they knew the Bible so well. So they immediately said, Micah 5, 2, Bethlehem. There was no delay. There was no like, hey, we've got to think about it for a second. Many of these guys had memorized the first five books of the Bible. They could just stand up here and recite to you Genesis to Deuteronomy on the spot. Boom. They knew God's word. How could they not be filled with with abundance their apathy have you ever read a story that is this apathetic before i mean the apathy from the religious scholars is so deep it's palpable it's incredible think about this a group of iranians iraqis show up in jerusalem wanting to worship and bow down the jewish messiah they say oh bethlehem enjoy the five five miles from jerusalem to bethlehem due south five miles don't you think one of them would have said to this magi, hey, you know what? I'm just a little bit curious. could I tag along and see who this Jewish messiah is since you've come here to Jerusalem? They're not interested. They are not interested at all. Why aren't they interested? Well, they're very apathetic, if I, as I have already said, but uh, the magi are the wrong people. Hear me on this. The magi are the wrong people. God doesn't work this way. God doesn't choose a group of magicians from the east to come and bow down to the Jewish messiah. They're the wrong people. All right? Ready, everybody? Here we go. Let's talk about some application. Here's one of the quickest ways to experience emptiness in your life. You say to God, God, your way doesn't make sense. You know, the quickest route to running as far away from this gift of abundance is you say to God, God, your way does not make sense. The magi are the wrong people. I'm not even interested in walking down the street five miles to see the Jewish Messiah, which I'm longing to meet. Or how about you in your life? You know, you you see certain principles in God's word. You say, you know what, God? That doesn't make sense. I want to do things my way. I want to ask you to come along and bless what I'm doing and give me abundance, but I'm going to do things my way. I don't want to do things your way. It's a really big difference. I was listening to a a radio program about three or four weeks ago. Uh, Bono, lead singer of U2, was being interviewed. And Bono says this. He said, you know what? He says, I do this all the time in my life. All the time in my life, I ask God to come along and bless the things that I'm doing. I said, God, would you please bless this, bless that, the, all the stuff that I'm doing? He said, finally, one day I realized this. I got to stop asking for God to bless the things that I'm doing because that's completely wrong. He said, this is what I got to do. Now, listen, if you won't listen to the Bible and you won't listen to me, maybe you'll listen to Bono. All right, you Ready? <laughs> And here's what Bono says. Bono says, stop asking for God to bless what you're doing. Instead, look at what God is doing in the world and what God has already blessed and start doing that. I'm going to say it again. You're entering into 2014. You're thinking about New Year's resolutions. You're thinking about all the stuff, all the incredible things that's going to give you joy and fulfillment and happiness in 2014. We're all excited. New Year's is coming in. Stop asking for God to bless what you're doing is what Bono says. Instead, he says... Figure out what God has already blessed, what God is already doing, and jump on board with what God's doing. This is what we're going to talk about in these next few moments here. We're going to take a little peek over the fence at a powerful biblical principle that will absolutely radically change your life in 2014. It's very clear in the scripture. It's there from Genesis to Revelation. Here it is if you want to write it down. The gift of abundance that we're talking about. This gift of abundance... It's not something, you say, oh man, I'll never get that. Here it is. God said it's available for every single person. The gift of abundance is all about this. It's all about putting God first. The gift of abundance is the result of putting God first. Money can't do it. Can't give you the gift of abundance. Power, position, possessions, promotions, children, marriage, none of this stuff. We're told in the scriptures can give us abundance. Only God gives abundance. See, Herod doesn't get the gift of abundance, but did you notice in the the story that Herod doesn't bow down and worship Jesus Christ? Did you notice that? He doesn't bow down and worship God? The religious scholars who should have the gift of abundance studying God's word, did you notice they didn't have the gift of abundance? You know why? They didn't bow down and worship God. Only the Magi did, and did you catch the line in Matthew chapter two? They bowed down. What happens when you bow down? When you bow down, you're saying you're number one. Have you put God first in your life? Because God says when we put him first in our lives, we will experience the gift of abundance. This principle is all the way through Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, the principle of putting God first. What is the the first of the Ten Commandments, right? Exodus chapter 20. What is the first? You ever think about this? What's the first of the first of the Ten Commandments? What is it? You shall what? Nor the gods before him. What is God saying? God's saying in the very first command, you must put me first. Do you do that? Because when we put God first, we experience the gift of abundance. This principle is practical and powerful. I'll show you three ways the Magi did it and how it changed their world. Ready? Number one is this. Number one, the Magi put God first with their time. With their time. It took a lot of time for them to travel from the east. They said, you know what? We're going to put all of our stuff on hold, and we're going to put God first. We're going to give God first, and so they take their time. Look at the Psalmist says in Psalm 5.3, and see if you can identify with this. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. And I lay my request before you and I wait expect. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. You know what I say to God? God, in the evening, Lord, you might hear my voice as I trail off to sleep. In the evening, God. What is, what is the morning? What is the first represented in Scripture? It represents the best. The first is always the best in Scripture. Do you give God your best? To give God your best means you give Him the morning. You take that time. I don't know if it's 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. My thing is, I, I write my prayers, I write my prayers before God. It helps me to focus. I journal. I write these prayers before God. Do I give God my best in the morning? Jesus gives us this great example of this. In Mark 1.35, it says, Very early in the morning, speaking of Jesus, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house, and he went off to a solitary place, and he prayed. The first part, here's, here's the principle. The first part is always the best part. Do you give God the best part of your day? Do you give God the best? Now, here's listen to this. It takes faith to give God the first. It doesn't take any faith to give God the last. It doesn't take any faith to give God the leftover. Where the faith kicks in is when you give God the first. That's where it takes faith. It takes a lot of faith. I want to come back to that in a minute, but I want to talk to you about two other things. Number two, the Magi put God first with their talent. These guys were talented. I mean, they were very smart. I mean, they were very skilled. The Magi would have made excellent Arlingtonians. Excellent. The smartest of the smart. That's who they were. Advanced degrees. We all know this. We say this all the time. Arlington County is the smartest county in the United States of America. There's more advanced degrees in this county than anywhere else. Well, the Magi had all the advanced degrees. That's how they came to be Magi. They're very, very smart. They're very loaded with talent. What do you do with your talent? Jesus tells this great parable, Matthew 25, doesn't he? Does his parable it says, says there was this king, and he gives out talents. He gives five to one guy, he gives out two to one next guy, and the last guy gets one talent. So they each have these different talents. And then the king goes away, and he comes back. He comes back, and the guy with five says, you know what? I put the talent you gave to me to use for you. And I've increased it five to 10. Next guy says, you gave me two. I put it to use for you two to four. And the last guy said, you gave me that talent. And what I did with it is, you know, I, I just buried it in the ground. I didn't do any of it. I didn't give any of it for you. I didn't do any of it for you. So Jesus says this in the parable. He says, Matthew 25, he says, take the bag of gold from him. The guy with the one talent, take the bag of gold from him and give it Give it to the one who has 10 bags or 10 talents. For whoever has will be given more. This sounds like the rich gets richer, but that's not the point. And they will have what? What are they going to have? What's that word next? They'll have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. What's, what's, what's the moral of the story? What are you doing with your talent? We're entering into 2014. Is part of, is part of your New Year's, New Year's resolution is like God... What can I do with my talent for you in 2014? Like, is that the first thing? Is, is God, for, like, I want to grow spiritually. I want to serve you, God. Is that it? Is that put, because that, that's actually putting God first. Or is it, you know, God, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this, this, this. And I want you to bless all this. And maybe down here with the leftover amount, God, look what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to help you out. So the principle here is this. You will have an abundance if you're a good steward of your time and of your gifts. We have very talented people in here. God says, if you'll take your talent and serve him with it, and you'll think about that first, he'll give you the gift of abundance. Does it make sense? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. You're all very talented. You have a lot of pressure on you. Do you want abundance? God says, this is his way of doing things. This is what makes sense to him. Does it make sense to you? Or will we be like religious scholars and say, you know what, there's no way magicians can come from the East. God, that's not going to work. It's the difference between abundance and emptiness. Last point here. Ready? Sit on your wallet hard on this part. Ready? Number three. The Magi put God first with their treasure. There is one common denominator between gold, frankincense, and and myrrh. I'm not going to talk to you about what they represent, but I'm going to talk about the one common denominator. They were all very valuable. They cost a lot of money. They were very expensive. They gave God their best of their treasure, of their money that they had. They honored God first. This is what we see the Magi do. Proverbs chapter 3. We can look at a lot of verses, but just here's one honor the lord with your wealth with the notice that word what's that word first fruits first fruits is the principle of putting god first first fruits of all your crops then what's going to happen well your barns will be filled to what overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine god wants the first because the first takes faith it doesn't take any faith to give god our leftovers of our time our talent and our treasure where faith comes in is when we give God the best part, the first part. The first part of your day is the best part of your day. Your talent. You might say, Well, I'm a nighttime person. Well, you begin your day, you go out into your world, and you say, Oh, God, I want you to direct my day. That's the first part. God, I'm giving you the first part so the rest of it will go well. So the last part of it will go well. Your talent or your treasure? Your treasure. The first is 10%. Think about this. Here's what a tithe is. It's the first 10% of your income. And some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, why did I come to church here today? It, listen, it, it, you, you want to have the gift of abundance in 2014? This is, I'm, not making, I'm not making this up. This is all over the place in Scripture and is the quickest way to experience the gift of God's abundance is give God the first part. Give God the first part. Herod would never do this. Herod the Great would never do this. He was too afraid to do it. Religious scholars were too skeptical to do it. They knew God's word. They just didn't apply God's word. And it was the difference. It's one thing to know God's word. It's another thing to apply God's word. And when the application of God's word comes in, that's when we get to experience the gift of abundance. If we do this, God will give us a divine adventure in 2014. Trust God. I could tell you a lot of stories. I'm just going to tell you a couple real quick ones here uh, in my life. Particularly this this area of money. I I grew up in church all my life. I've been to Bible college, and nobody had ever taught taught me about the first fruits of giving God my income. Nobody. Nobody ever said a word to me about it. And one day, I remember I'm in my 20s, and I'm driving down the road, and I heard somebody mention a scripture. I was listening to a radio program. I thought, oh, my gosh, I'd never heard that. I'd never even seen that before. And I began to study the first fruits of giving God income. And I began to do that. The moment I began to do that, I noticed a difference in my life. The moment I began to do it, I noticed a difference in my life. There was a time in my life out of Bible college where I was working full-time for UPS. I'd gone to work for UPS. I knew exactly every single week what my paycheck would be. And so I had worked for UPS. I left to go work for the ministry, and then I came back and worked just Christmases with them, driving the big package cart, bringing all those packages that you were so excited about opening this Christmas. I was delivering those packages to you, 20 some years ago. And so I'd gone back. Well, in the in-between, you know, going back I, and I was in the ministry and money was like super duper tight, super tight. So we had a paycheck coming up and we had bills. We had bills. I knew exactly what the paycheck was going to be. And I knew this without, beyond a shadow of doubt. The bills were larger than the paycheck. You, you know what I'm saying? So I had a decision to make. I said, God, do I give because I'm, I'm getting ready to get the paycheck, do I give you the first fruits? No, that, that doesn't that wouldn't make sense. Let me pay all the bills, God. I'll give you whatever's left over. And I just felt like God said, nope, don't do that. First fruits. You know the principle. You know the principle. So I said, okay. I wrote out the first fruits check, put it in the offering at church, and I said, God, please help me. I go to go to work. Two days later, I show up and they hand the paychecks out. UPS made a mistake. They paid me twice as much money. So I went, well, I know this is exciting, but <laughs> I went to my supervisor and I said, hey, Ed, I said, oh, you paid me too much money. And he's like, it's okay. Uh, just keep it, we'll figure it out later. And so they paid me double the pay. I paid off all my bills completely free and clear. And then about a month later, they came back and they, they straightened it out. But by, after the month was over, after that month was over, everything was cool with me. I was fine. I had no bills barreling down on me. It was amazing. That was first fruits. I've had time in my life when, when money's been tight. And I've said to my wife, I said, Krista, I don't think we're going to be able to take vacation this year with the kids. And somebody will come along and say, hey, John, I just really felt like, to, you know, I have this little place I want to offer you to free to go and stay there. I was working with a church plant many, many years ago and they put together a little nest egg and I was, I was gonna be their pastor of this church. It was a little nest egg of money and I'm sitting in this planning meeting. We're talking about launching the church. We're talking about the first service and all this. So we've got this little bit of money and it's like God just spoke to me. It's one of those times, you know, ever, God ever like impress someone in your heart and like, oh man, I don't think I really heard that. I don't wanna hear that. You ever had that? This is one of those moments for me. I just felt like God said, yep, make sure you, make sure you give away as a church. Like it's a church, give to some kind of mission. And I, I said that to them, and they're like, what are you talking about? I mean, we're, we're talking about people giving to church, but the church giving money away? Come on, this is, st- this. and I said, then all of a sudden it hit me. I felt like God said, don't give 10% away, give 30% of that nest egg away. i <sighs> you serious. I don't want to say that. And I just—I remember sitting there, and I could, the words were coming out of my mouth, and I couldn't believe they were coming out of my mouth, this small group of people. And they looked at me and shook their heads, and they said, you're shooting yourself in your own foot. Are you stupid? You're not going to be able to get paid. That's all the money there is. There's like nobody. This is all we have. And we did it. You know, an email goes out to the group like three days later. and it says, you know, I don't know what happened. We gave that 30% away and all of a sudden a check for $30,000 out of nowhere came into this little group. Somebody heard about what we're doing. Look, listen, listen, listen to me. If somebody asks me, hey, John, can you prove that God is real? Hey, John, can you pr- really, can you prove to me that the, the Bible that I'm reading, that can really trust the Bible, that can really trust Jesus Christ? Where would I turn? Where would I turn? In my own thinking. Right? I've got a master's of divinity. I've given 28 years of my life to study this. I would think, well, let's go through history. Let's go through science. Let's go through literature. Let's talk philosophy. Let's make a strong proof. But if if you were to ask me, and I was really to answer you honestly, how do I know that I know that I know that I know that God is alive and well and the words of Jesus Christ are true? It is this issue of first fruits. You want to experience the gift of abundance, live a little wild. You know, get up on the edge of your seat and do something crazy in 2014. Put God first in your time and your talent and your treasure. This is, for me, this is, this principle that's clear in the Bible is the thing. Because every time I've done it in my life, every time I've done it in my life, God has proved himself over and over and over. I want to say one last thing about money. You know, all throughout the Bible, says, don't you dare, God says, don't you dare test me. You, you know that, right? You know, it says, do not put the Lord your God to a test. There's one area where God says, it's okay, you can test me. And that is on the area of money. Time, talent, and treasure. Will you give God your best? Fill this one in. Give God the best and he'll bless the rest. Give God your best and he will bless the rest. You can have 100% of your money that's unblessed by God or you can have 90% that has God's blessing on it. Which one do you choose? You can have 100% of your day with everything you can do with it that's unblessed by God or you can have 90% of your day that has God's blessing on it. Which one will you choose? Give God the first fruits. Give Him the first fruits. I'm almost done. Matthew 6.33 says this. Jesus Christ speaking the most famous sermon that He ever preached. The sermon all night. He says what? Seek what? First. Seek first. The principle of first fruits. Seek first the kingdom of God and what's going to happen? What will happen, everybody? everything else is going to be added to you. I want to ask you to consider as you enter in this Christmas season and you look towards the news, I want to ask you to consider putting God first in your life. Listen, I'm going to tell you this, this little story about myself, okay, real quick. Since that time, 25 years ago, that I realized the principle of first fruits, when it comes to uh, my money, I have not had a problem with it because God has shown himself clear over and over again. I've just not had a problem. When it comes to talent, I haven't had a problem with that. I got very little talent, so I give God what I have anyway. So the tra- treasure and the talent part, boom, easy, piece of cake for me, piece of cake. And some of you, one of those time talent treasures, maybe one of them hits home. Here's the one that hits home with me, like right between my eyes time. I am a very uptight, impatient person. I'm a very uptight, impatient, workaholic person. I I don't trust God with my time. I was a total confession here. I don't trust God. You say, oh, John, you must get up. You pray all day, you know, then you go home. Uh, You know what? I I get up every day and there's a ton of emails. And some of them people are looking, you know, very emotional emails. Some of them people are looking for uh, theological, spiritual advice, whatever. Very difficult, tedious emails to answer. There's always, always a sermon to write. I mean Sundays are so tight together. I mean it just they just come. They seem like they're every other day as a Sunday. There's always a sermon right. There's always there's always uh, there's always a book to read. There's always an email to respond to. There's always a meeting. Oh my gosh. Oh, with the meetings. You know, our staff at Grace is like almost doubled in the past 18 months, our staff had raised, and you know what, one of the reasons, I mean, it's awesome, it's all, but you know one of the re- results of that, of the is, is staff being larger, meeting, 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 like, oh, my Wednesdays, my Wednesday this past week, I started with a meeting at 7 o'clock in the morning, and my last meeting was like 6 or 7 o'clock at night, it was meetings all day, here's, I am so uptight, and I don't trust God with my time, this is what I do. I said, God, I just, I, I'm going to get all this stuff. It's all for you. I'm going to get it all done. I'm going to get it all done. I'm going to get it all done. And then at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm left over. Because I think to myself, I can figure this out. I can get inspirations for sermons. I can get inspirations for emails. I can get inspirations for counseling sessions. I can get inspiration. You know, all by myself, I can get it. Look, listen to me. When I give God the first fruit, when I give God the first part, when I sit down with my little notebook and my pen and I focus on God, I say, God, I'm giving you the best part. I'm giving you the first part because the first always takes faith. And I begin just to talk to God. You know what happens throughout the day? God gives me inspirations for sermons. God gives me inspirations for emails. God gives me inspiration for meetings. God gives me inspiration as I read books or as I read the Bible. God helps me with all the counseling sessions that I do. Are you hearing me? When I give God the first, the first is what takes faith. God comes along and he gives me an abundance. I don't get it any other way. Time, talent, treasure, my issue is time. What's yours? What's yours? That's just where it hits me. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you with all I am to put god first and not give him the leftovers matthew 6 24 you know right matthew 6 seek first the kingdom you know what it says right before that jesus says this you cannot serve god and mammon what is this mammon some of your bible says money money doesn't totally encapsulate what that word is really all about mammon is all about this mammon is me first me first mammon is me first thinking and abundance is god first or seek first living which one are you are you Seek first or are you Mammon first? You're me first. It's one or the other. Will you give God the best? The Magi bow down and worship God, and because they put God number one, they experience every bit of this abundance. This is at the fingertips for every single one of us. If we will give God the best, He will bless the rest. Last thing. Ready for this? Why does it say in Scripture that Jesus Christ, Christmas, Christmas, why in Scripture does it say that Jesus Christ is the firstborn of all creation? Why is he first? He's the firstborn of all creation. Why is he firstborn? Because God the Father is giving us the best. He's given us the best at Christmas time. This is what we think about. This is why we celebrate Christmas, because God has given us the best. And when we follow that same principle of God, of putting him first, he will give us his best. Not our best, his best for our lives. So if you won't listen to the Bible and you won't listen to me, hopefully you'll leave here this morning and you'll at least listen to Bono, lead singer for you too. And you'll say, God, I'm not going to ask you to bless the stuff that I want to do. From now on, I'm going to say, God, what are you doing? I'm going to get involved with that. What are you if you already blessed? I'm going to get involved with that and allow you, God, to do the rest. It'll change your life. It'll radically change your life in 2014 and this entire Christmas season. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for this powerful word about the Magi and how they bow down and put you first, Jesus, and they worship you and how you do this exceedingly great joy. They're rejoicing with abundance, and they're full, and they're alive, and they have purpose in their life. It's awesome, but God doesn't make sense to us. We just think, God, if we just get it our way, but Lord, help us right now. Some of us in this room right now, we're just really struggling with this, saying, oh, Lord, can I really do this? And Lord, I just ask that as each one of us struggles with this principle, this powerful principle, that you would help us to have the faith to believe in you and see what you will do in our lives. And Lord, for those of us this morning that we're thinking about placing our faith in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of our lives, I just ask that each person here right now, before they leave, that they would just simply say, Jesus, I trust in you as my Savior. Come into my life and redeem my soul. In Christ's name, amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. Wonderful to see you. Hey, if you're a guest here today, you can come right over here. We're going to tell you everything, uh, everything you need about this church in five minutes or less. If you would like prayer, our prayer team is right over here on this wall. I encourage you to see them today. They'll pray with you about putting God first. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.